Lord, we bring honor to you. Lord, the scriptures tells us that we are able to enter the throne room with boldness and confidence. Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you care about us. And Lord, what a joy and what a privilege it is to be able to, to worship you, God. Lord, I pray that your spirit will be here in a powerful way. Lord, as we talk about a person going out on a limb, not worrying about what people think about him, Lord, I pray that today you will just that you will remind us that the only person that we need to, to worry about is you, God. Our relationship with you, Heavenly Father, I pray, Heavenly Father, you will just draw us close to you. Lord, bless us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it is interesting that last week we had a full house with, I think because Michael was preaching and now the other Michael is preaching. So, uh, no, but last I know this week we have uh, spring break going on, um, a snowstorm going on. I'm trying to do some other things to help my self-esteem here. Um, snowstorms, time change, oh, a hug. Yes. <laughs> that made all the difference. It was so sincere, too, I could tell. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. First service we had, um, it was like five till nine, and we had two people here. And it, I was sweating because if, my first church I preached at was we had 13 people when we started, and they were average age of 87. So it took me back to the day of, of some spending time with older people like I do on Tuesdays. Uh, Steve and Michael. So anyway, so we're, we're going to have some fun. They're much older than me, as we all know that. Um, we do have special parking spots for them outside. So it's interesting, though, we are focusing on good times. This is our, our sermon series, and we're not recording, so we can be a little more engaging with our elderly people. Um, so it's interesting. But uh, I, I don't let you, I like to have fun. I, I enjoy church. I like to enjoy when I, when I like to have fun when I preach. But if you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, that's where we're going to be at. But as, we, as we've developed this sermon series, Good Times, we're really focusing on the good times with Jesus during difficult times as well. And today we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up the sycamore tree to see the Lord to be. And Jesus said, I'm, this is my own Michael Longfellow version, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. So we have a, I, that's my, no, I'm not saying tea for, for Red Bull or something like that. But uh, it's interesting that we, most of us know the story of Zacchaeus. He was a little, little guy, little person, and we're not going to make fun of short people, okay? Uh, I'm not making eye contact with certain people um, that are short. But it's interesting that we look at the scripture, and there's something I really want to pull out. I've been convicted throughout the, um, the preparation of the scripture um, during this time. I, I will tell you in the beginning there is a lot of, does, what could we do in life if fear did not hold us back? If we didn't have fear in our lives, what truly could we do? And I will tell you one thing that I am, I'm fearful of, this is something I'm trying to get over, that for most of my life when I was raised in a Christian home, my mom and dad instilled within me, you know, to hang around the, the good people and the kids that aren't going to get you in trouble and all the great things parents teach us, which I have no condemnation whatsoever for my parents raising me. But one thing I, I, I fear sometimes is what people think about me. When they look and when they see Michael Longfellow, what is the imagery? Do they, want, do they think negative thoughts about me? Do they think positive thoughts about me? That is something that holds me back sometimes, is the possibility of uh, people 
not looking good upon, upon me. And that's something I've been trying to work past because, you know, it's interesting. When we look at scriptures, the scriptures, Jesus brings people into a realm. He goes into a realm where most Christians would condemn Jesus himself. He's hanging around the sinners. He's hanging around the tax collectors. He's hanging around the prostitutes. He's hanging around these types of people that, in, in, we've talked about before, the people that are um, invisible to most of society. And I don't know about you, but I've felt invisible before. And, and so we're going to look at Zacchaeus today. But before we begin with Zacchaeus, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And, and Luke, so let's go ahead and go to chapter, Luke chapter 19, 2 through 4. And I'm trying to help Jody because I sometimes go all over the place with my, with my scriptures. Amen. The only amen I'll get today is from Michael. Luke chapter 19, verse 2 through 4 says this. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. It is interesting. I want to ask you a question because I believe the Christian faith is supposed to be very lively. I believe the Christian faith is supposed to be moving us and bringing and drawing people to us because how we respond in this life today. So I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you stepped out in faith? When is seriously the last time you were obedient to God and you stepped out in faith? Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you like to be in control? Okay, some of you don't want to raise your hand because I'm asking you to, so you're trying to be in control. So I'll just to let you know that. I mean, you, you guys got issues, all right? We're taking communion later. You can repent, all right? But most of us like to be in control of our situation, don't we? I told my boss last, this last week is that I like change. I like doing change when I'm in control of the change. I don't like change when someone's doing the change to me. And I told my boss that. I was, we were having a good conversation. It wasn't a bad conversation. But you know, I've gotten myself into situations there. But it's interesting that when, I want to ask you seriously, when is the last time you stepped out in faith? When were you obedient to God? Because I believe fear restricts a lot of us from really doing what God wants us to do. And we are not going to be fully blessed, I believe, when we don't step out in faith, when God wants us to step out in faith, or when we have the ability to step out in faith. I shared this story a long time ago, but it's something that's made a huge impact upon my life. Lori and I, we were young, we, were dating, we weren't dating, we were married, we were having dinner in, in Tulsa, someplace. We were by ourselves, no kids, and, and during our conversation, we were having a great time, and there was, a, there was two ladies sitting near us. And during the time of this conversation, we, I could just tell that they were Christians. For, for some reason, they didn't talk about Jesus, they didn't talk about uh, the blood, they didn't talk any Christian lingo, but for some reason, I just knew that they were Christians, and God put it upon my heart to buy them lunch. I've never done this before, and so I wanted to go over there, I just want to let them know, hey, I, I just, I'm going to buy your lunch. And so I, I made sure it was okay with Lori Jane, and, and then I went because I wanted, and they were older, they were older people, not Steve's age, but they were, they were older, and they didn't think I was, you know, I was young, so I wasn't making a move, anything like that, <laughs> because you got to be careful. But anyway, I went up to them, and I thought, I, I need to know if they're believers. So I was going to ask them the question, hey, are you Christians? So I went up to them, and I said, ladies, I just want just to ask you guys a question. I said, are you guys believers in Jesus? And as soon as I asked that question, I got a knot in my stomach. I was nervous. What happens if they say no? How would that make me look? How, would, how am I going to feel? I'm going to say, oh, I'm sorry. Well, see you later. I'm not buying your lunch. 
You know, how would I respond if they told me no? But they said, no, we, we are believers. We're, we, we're, 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 we're great believers. We love Jesus. And we had a, maybe a two or three minute conversation. I said, well, I, me and my wife would like to buy you guys lunch because you just have made an impact upon my life just by your guys' conversation. I could tell something was different about those two girls, those two ladies, just during a meal. And so I wanted to, I stepped out of faith. That has, some, that has drastically helped me greatly. Now, it probably wouldn't help me even more if they weren't believers and how I had to respond at that point. But at that point, I wanted to do what was obedient to God. And so here we are going to be talking about what, what are the things that you are afraid of? What are some of the fearful outcomes that you struggle with in life? You know, because we are living in an uncertain time in this world today. We don't have a lot of guarantees in our, in our society right now, in my estimation. And so when you look at your faith, when you look where you are with God, and, and maybe, maybe you are not a Christian yet, maybe you're searching, maybe you're seeking, you're trying to discover who Jesus is, there are a lot of times as Christians we are held back because of the fear of what we believe. And here, here's the expression, we out on a limb. It's used to convey the idea of a leap of faith. It refers to people who are willing to risk it all what they believe in the right spirit. Risk-taking is not easy, but it's part of the faith journey. As we follow God's lead, we will, all lead, we will always take risks, but we find comfort in knowing that God first took a risk on us. I will tell you, I am a risk-taker. I love taking risks on certain things. I like to do get myself into situations I don't really know how to handle, and then I have to ask my wife to help me out in those situations. If you know my wife, she's not a risk taker. She is comfortable staying home, knitting, crocheting, whatever she does, and being quite content. She loves that lifestyle, but she's married to a great guy who likes to get himself into trouble. Sorry, I just spit there. That's COVID. And, and, and go from there. But it's interesting. How much of a risk taker are you? Because I want to associate the risk taking with where we are with God. Because God is going to take you some places that you don't want to go. God is going to lead you to speak to people that you never thought you would speak to. God is going to enhance opportunities to you to share your faith that you would never share your faith before with people. And that is something I want you to understand. Throughout this sermon, we're going to look at Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a, a, not a respected man by the Jewish people. He was a tax collector, and he was wealthy. And we're going to get into that a little bit before, a little bit later, before we go on. But risk-taking is something I believe Christians should do. Now, I'm not talking about being completely crazy and doing, investing in, in whatever without doing research. I'm talking about risk-taking with God. Changing your thought process with risk-taking with what God would do. Ah, here's something I believe. I believe God speaks to us more than we ever actually hear. I, I truly think God wants us to hear His voice, to hear the Spirit of God in us. I believe God wants us to walk by faith daily. But I think if you are like me, we are constantly talking and constantly being busy that we don't hear the voice of God. So I think we need to slow down Michael Longfellow and listen to the voice of God. Before the children of Israel stepped into the Red Sea, before the waters were parted, Moses took his staff and reached out and the waters were separated. Because they took a risk in believing God, he faithfully took care of them during the wilderness journey. 
It's interesting that, can you imagine how uncomfortable it was taking millions of people, the Jewish people, through the wilderness? People complaining, people asking, are we there yet? Asking where the bathroom is, asking all these questions that get on a father's nerve and probably a mom's nerves as well. But millions of people not knowing what they're supposed to be doing, the expectations. But it's amazing, they walk by faith and not by sight. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse you who who I will curse. All the people on the earth will be blessed through you. And I think it's, we're we're not going to get into the political realm today with America if we bless Israel or we don't bless Israel, but I think you should read that on your own. But it's interesting that this is the time that God was talking to Abram. Leave your possessions, leave your belongings, and go to this new place. Go to the land that I have called you to be. What would happen if if Abram said, no, Lord, I don't want to go. I just want to stay here. I want you to bless me right here, right where I'm at. Do you think we would be where we are, or do you think God would use someone else to bless, to get to him, to get the situation where he needed to be. It, it's interesting, when we look, God is looking for someone who will act in faith, someone who is willing to go out on a limb, someone who won't question what, where, how God is leading. All you need to do is obey. Now, that's just the introduction. Once again, I told the first service, we have daylight saving, so we do have an extra time. We have an extra hour. You guys are awake because you got an extra, a little extra, and you didn't get any extra sleep at all. But... You guys are here, so that means you are faithful, dedicated people that want to study the Word of God. So we're going to be here longer, okay? Michael's always looking for a sermon or for a reason to, to preach longer, so I get to as well. But anyway, let's focus on Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. He was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He was a man who lived in Jericho. He held a high office of the Roman system. As we talked about last week, the tax collectors were considered traitors. They worked for the Roman government. They charged people taxes, and not just their taxes, but they, gave, they charged more to make a living. These people were despised. They were despicted. They were not looked highly upon the people. It's interesting, during Scripture, how people uh, portrayed them, these people were mentioned alongside prostitutes and sinners. That's who a tax collector is in their idea. These people were low people, people being members of a general despised group, but he was wealthy. He was notable subject for the saving grace of God. And like the story of the rich friend ruler, if you remember, the young ruler didn't want anything. He did not want to sell his possessions and come to Christ. Zacchaeus' desire was to see Jesus. His desperate cause, his desperation caused him to do something was a little below his integrity, his dignity. Zacchaeus was willing to endure public shame, public scorn, to be able to see Jesus. When Jesus had arrived in Jericho, Zacchaeus wanted to see him and learn about who Jesus was. However, Jesus was small, so he climbed up a tree to see who Jesus was. It's interesting, during this period, when Jesus spoke out to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. The priests and the people around him were insulted that Jesus would want to hang around someone of a low statue. Have you ever felt like you were the lonely, lonely person or the low person in the room? Have you ever felt that everyone else in the room was better, greater than you? 
And here we look at Zacchaeus who's willing to climb a tree. How many of you guys willing to climb a tree to see someone you really wanted to see? Kind of weird though, isn't it? I mean, as a safety guy, you need to make sure you have three-point contact. You need to make sure you're tied off. You need to make sure all the things that are going on was going on correctly. But Zacchaeus, he didn't care what people thought about him. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And I, I want to make a point here at this point that Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, Zacchaeus was having a transformation in his life. He was being transformed because what Jesus was doing and going to do later on that evening. So here's something God has revealed to me, helped me out. That I have certain expectations upon my children. I want my kids to behave a certain way. I want them to be secure and strong in their salvation with God. I have a lot of expectations upon my kids. I've learned something, and God revealed it to me, that I can have those expectations, but really I need to have the expectation of what God's going to do, not what my kids are going to do. And that is hard. Because you want to see your kids safe and secure and saved. You want to know that if they die, they're in heaven, and there's no question asked. But I realized that during this period, during this time of, of me searching the Scriptures and God basically just transforming my life, I need to be reminded of what God has promised to do through His Word. I need to expect God to do things and not my children necessarily to expect to do things with their salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. I will still always have expectations. I will still say, you need to say thank you, you need to say please. Don't get me wrong, I'm not throwing that stuff out the window. But when it comes to salvation, I need to have the expectation upon God, not upon my children. Because as we will find out later on, it is God who calls us first, not us calling God. And I think that has helped me a lot. So as we look at the scripture, verse 10 says this, that Jesus came to seek and save which was lost. Jesus came to save those who were not healthy, who did not know who Yahweh was, who was not knowing who Jesus was as a Savior. Jesus came to save the sick and the lost. He came to save you, and He came to save me. And it's amazing to me how often we think that everything has to be in order before we get our life ready, ready for God. We have to get everything straightened out. We have to get our, th- our sin all properly saved before we come to know who Jesus is. But knowing that he was a sinner, knowing Zacchaeus was a sinner, knowing the grace that Jesus should show him. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give all my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated anyone. If I've cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times the amount. This, my friends, is what repentance looks like. Repentance doesn't just talk about saying, I'm sorry. It amends for the wrongdoing. The crowd had complained that Jesus went to this wicked man's house, but after Jesus got through with him, Zacchaeus would be a better man for the community and restored what he had taken from them. It's interesting today. I, no, don't get me wrong. I, okay, this may, hurt, this may hurt you, okay? And I'm not trying to hurt you, but it hurts, it hurts. If you say a prayer... And you ask Jesus into your life. And there is no change after that prayer. If there is no fruit of the Spirit, if there is no submission, if there is no repentance, if there is no sorrow, if there is no weeping over what has taken place in your life, I have to ask the question, is that prayer sincere? Is your commitment to God truly sincere? Because every time, my friends, every time I see someone who was saved in the Scripture, their life was transformed. 
They gave back. They, they weeped. They, were, they, they wallowed. They, they begged God for forgiveness. There have been times I've seen people, and I'm not trying to be condemning, but people just say a prayer, and they just laugh, and they go on their merry way, and I'm concerned about their salvation because the Bible says daily pick up your cross and follow me. And my friends, that's what God has called us to do. You see this guy, Zacchaeus, this, this tax collector. And how many of you like tax collectors? Okay, if you're really spiritual, you're, you're better than me. You know, I paid my taxes last week. Wasn't fine. It wasn't bad. $28. <laughs> That's what we, we owed. But my thought process is, what if the tax collector guy showed up in my house? Would I really want him to see Jesus? Would I really want him to know who I was as a Christian? And the, the answer is yes, I would, but it's hard. But I love this story, this picture about Zacchaeus, because he made things right. The people that he wronged, he made it right with those people. And that's as Christians what we are called to do when we repent. Because of this change in lifestyle, which was evidenced by the right relationship with God, salvation has come to this house, Jesus said. Zacchaeus met the Lord because he went on a limb. His actions were outward, but the testimony was inward. Salvation came to Zacchaeus, not by his initiative, but by God's. God's movement upon our lives is where we see God working at our hand. I want to give you a definition of grace. This is not the normal definition of grace. Grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that has nothing to do with you. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. The definition of grace is unconditional love. It's a cliche for a good as, as a good description of the thing. The grace is a love that has nothing to do with you, the beloved. It has everything only to do with the lover. Grace is irrational in the sense that it has nothing to do with weights and measures. It has nothing to do with the, the qualities and so-called gifts. It reflects a decision on the part of the giver, the one who loves, in relationship to the receiver, the one who is loved then that negates inequality the receiver may personally hold. Grace is the only way of love. Grace is God reaching down towards a people who are constantly pushing back and against him, who are constantly in rebellion. Just for a moment, I want to ask you the question, where would you be without that special person in your life, you may not even know them, who's prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you? Where would you be I will tell you, I was a stubborn, stubborn kid. I, I was, I, man, I, I gave my mom and dad crap a lot. And crap is my strong word. But I, but I look, and I, I got a text from my mom this morning. Mike, I'm praying for you. Hope you're doing great. It's going to be a great sermon. Love you. Well, I don't know where I would be without my mom and dad praying for me on a constant and daily basis. God has called us to pray for people. God has called us to remove, to have Satan remove the blinders from people's eyes that they're able to see the truth of who Jesus is. My friends, that's what we are called to do. When you talk about an exciting lifestyle, living the Christian life is exciting when you have no idea who God is going to bring into your life to be able to share the word of Jesus Christ and to share your testimony. And it is amazing to me how many times your testimony will bring someone to Jesus because what you are going through at the very moment, 
You're going through hardships, you're going through sicknesses, you're going through whatever you're going through, and you share how God has overcome that situation with you, and it's amazing how people come to Jesus. The same with Zacchaeus. They knew he was a different guy <coughs> because of his relationship with Jesus. <coughs> and can you get my water, Lori? <coughs> I'm sorry, it's not COVID. It's not COVID. <coughs> Thank you. But our testimony is a powerful, powerful thing that we belittle or look down upon. I'm not a good Christian because I have this history. Let me tell you, my friends, you are a good Christian because you have that history and you overcome that history through Jesus Christ. That's where your testimony is. Zacchaeus' life was changed and people knew it. He didn't have to get everything in order. He started doing what God wanted him to do. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it's a familiar, familiar scripture that says, you don't have that one. Mm, that's too bad. Scripture is so good. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So that is where we are. We are wretched people needing to be saved. We are those people that are invisible to the world today, but God has saved us. Romans chapter 4, 24 and 25. If you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. But also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who we believe in him was raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over death for our sins and raised to life and our salvation and our justification. Jesus died for you. He died in order for you to have the everlasting life. He died that you may have everlasting life. My friends, I tell you that our world today is changing greatly. We count on our 401ks. We count on our retirement. We count on social security. We count on all these different things. But you know, eventually they're all going to be gone. Eventually, in my belief, and I think most people's beliefs today, there is going to be a time of great persecution that comes against the church. And people are not going to be able to rely upon the stuff, the physical things that we have, that we are going to have to rely upon each other to be able to survive and to be able to grow and be able to thrive. I believe that there's going to be a time that we will not worry about our 401ks. We won't worry about our jobs, but we'll be worried. Uh, we'll not worry, but we'll be looking for persecution to come our way. And I think, my friends, that's coming in my lifetime and most likely yours as well. So prepare yourself not to worry about it, but prepare yourself as a foundation where you are with Jesus to make sure that foundation is strong and complete. No grace came to us when we were broken and could offer nothing in return. Grace is most needed and best understood in the midst of sin, suffering and brokenness. <coughs> we come to God with nothing in our hands to offer but brokenness and sin and gladly takes it and gives us a new life. I will tell you, my friends, right now, wherever you are in life, your life does not have to be complete and in order to come to Jesus. It does not have to. That is a lie that the evil one throws out there. Before you can become a Christian, you got to make sure you're not doing this. You got to make sure you're not doing this. You got to make sure you're not doing this. Whatever the sin is, whatever the issue is, God never says that. He says, I come to save this lost and the, the broken. He comes to save you and I, the people that don't have it all together. Isn't it amazing how many times we look at someone we think they always got everything together? Oh my gosh. I've had people say, man, Michael, your life looks good. Ask my wife how good my life is. 
How often I get myself into trouble. How often I screw up. How often I lose my temper. How often I run a stoplight, stop sign because it shouldn't have been there, whatever the scenario would be. It, just, it was bad planning on the city. <clears throat> it's, we just got to point out things with love, right? Uh, anyway, <clears throat> sorry, let me get a drink again. But your life does not have to be in order for Jesus to accept you. Because if it, that was the case, you would never be accepted by Jesus. As I look at the scriptures, and I look at a song, and if I was talented like Michael, talented like Steve, I could sing, but I won't. Come thou fount of every blessing. One scripture, one part of that, sings of the heart's desire to wander from the Lord who has saved him. His prayer is that the Lord would bind his heart and that his grace would be present all the days of his life. God's grace is always sufficient, always there. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. We do a lot of comparison in our Christian walk. We compare ourselves with other people. We compare our spiritual life with others. We compare ourselves with Zacchaeus. We compare ourselves with the sinners down the road. But really, we have no one to compare to except Jesus himself. If you know that Christ is your Lord and Savior, please understand the very reason you are here today, the very reason you are here to breathe in your lungs today is because God of the universe wants you to have a, a collision with his grace. His word tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness and weakness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you understand the grace and the slowness of God's anger? Do you understand how slow God is to get angry at you and I? Because you know if I was God, you would not be here today. I would smite you. Because you, you people, are slow. Now, remember how easy it is for me to judge. Oh, because I'm good. I'm not slow. I'm, not, I'm always patient. Blah, 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 whatever. You'd smite me too if you were God. You really would. But we look at this and God's patience is beautiful. And how easily do we become impatient with people around us? Here's a question I didn't ask, didn't ask for service. How many of you would have been impatient with Zacchaeus? I would have been very, very impatient with Zacchaeus. Here he is trying to see God. Here he is trying to see Jesus. I would probably say in my, my fleshly nature, Zacchaeus, you need to step back. Because you don't deserve to see Jesus. Is that a judgmental attitude? Absolutely. But my friends, the thing is, I think we do that a lot in people's lives. That you don't need to see Jesus, I need to see Jesus. We have that condemnation tone in our lives sometimes. So maybe where you are, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Lord, my God, I take refuge in you and save and deliver me from all who pursue me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So I want to ask you a question today. What do you fear? I know the scriptures tells us do not fear 365 times in the, script, in the scriptures. But really, what do you fear? What is holding you back from that relationship with God Almighty? What is, what, is, what is weakening your faith that holds you back from fully living what the God wants you to do? 
Today, God is calling you to put your full trust in him. Those who want to get to the branch, those who are willing to take that risk and go out on the, on the limb. You can't get to righteous branch without first going out on the limb. Those who put their trust in God, accepts him have found that their life has never been the same. If you ask a believer, a believer who is strong in the faith, how their life has been changed, they will drastically tell you all the things that God has done for them throughout their lives. Has all battles been won? Has all prayers been answered? No, but we know we have Jesus in our life. I've heard the voice of Jesus telling me to fight on. Promises never to leave us, never to let us go. John chapter 3, verse 16, very familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus went on a limb. He came to a cruel world to offer himself as a sacrifice. He was willing to offer himself when people would reject him. My friends, I will tell you, people are going to reject you. People are going to reject your friendship. There are some people that just don't want to be my friend. And I, I'm okay with that. Sometimes. Just kind of depends upon the day. There are some people that are going to hurt us. And we have to make the boundaries around our lives. But everything we, we say, we, we justify, whatever we want to say, Jesus never made an excuse for people that rejected him. He still did it. He still loved him. He still died for him. I would come up with a lot of excuses why I don't want to do certain things. But Jesus never did. He was always faithful and always loving. The story of Zacchaeus is more about a little man who climbed up a tree. It's about the welcoming God. It's about the blessing of God that touches us in a very deep place. Overcoming our fear. Overcoming rejection. Overcoming what society thinks about where we are and who we are. I think it's time for each one of us to step out on a limb. To go out and to move in faith. To do what God would have us to do. If someone's telling you, say, go buy that little, that, that, that couple's lunch over there and ask them if they're believers. I think you should do it. Maybe it's sharing your testimony with someone this week. Maybe it's sharing the struggles that you are going through as a Christian and how God has overcome those obstacles. But you know what? Some of the obstacles that we go through, we haven't conquered yet. We are still going through those obstacles. We're still going over those things. And I see what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. He has done for you and I as well. Right beside you, there's communion cups. And with the communion cups, the bread represents Jesus' body. The juice represents Jesus' blood. That he died and it was spilled for you and I. Worship team, if you guys would come forward. I'm going to let you guys take communion on your own time today. Whenever you feel like it's your time after you've realized what communion is all about. The early church, when they got together, they took communion. They celebrated the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. They remembered what Jesus did upon the cross for each one of them. And so as we worship this next song, I, I challenge you to, to take communion. If you're not a believer, please, please don't take it. If you're if it's your first time in church, but you're a believer, man, take it. Do whatever God is calling you to do. But I will tell you, my friends, at this time, Jesus is calling you to him. He's calling you to a relationship where he makes it perfect. 
where the grace is sufficient and never failing. So as we stand to sing when you are ready, take your communion and let's worship.